Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now... Offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The robustness of our hope is so extreme that some could see it as a license to sin. If the atonement really did birth us into a new humanity, then we can't be unbirthed. If a glorious increase is guaranteed, then why bother putting in the hard work to be a good boy? It's the classic risk of a trust fund kid becoming a profligate playboy. 
The fact that Paul has to spend significant time addressing this question shows how mind-bendingly awesome an assurance he asserted. In no way does Paul downplay the reach or resilience of God's favour on our lives. That is guaranteed. Instead, he takes us back to the maternity ward to show us the plan behind our rebirth. He assures us that our new parents are liberators. Father, Son and Spirit are pioneer philanthropists, setting new standards of glorious generosity. If you realise that, you're a numbskull if you don't then entrust yourself to their care. Everything they do is kind and good. But Paul does not just leave it there. He reminds us that storing up future wrath was only part of the tragedy of sin. Sin was also bad because it enslaved us and ashamed us and rotted us from the inside. Sin tormented us and abused us and pushed us ever closer to death. God's generous plan in making us a brand new people was to free us from that toxic slavery. New birth would enable us to live a new life, a liberated life, imbued with delicious holiness. Perhaps it's Paul's understanding of holiness that packs the biggest punch in this passage. I used to think of holiness as hard work or inhibiting. But Paul presents holiness as delight. Holiness is a shorthand description for the joy-filled, love-consumed, peace-exuding presence of God. Holiness is a badge of honour. Wanting to be holy is to desire the family likeness. It's the flourishing of freedom. It's the fragrance of eternal life. Holiness is becoming like a pioneer philanthropist all across your life. And get this, holiness is within your grasp. Holiness is already being nurtured in you by your new parents. All you need to do is count yourself dead to your old life and then fully cooperate with the Father, the Son and the Spirit who have adopted you as their very own. Here is a question for reflection. In your mind, how attractive and beautiful is holiness? How would you describe it? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.